You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. And welcome in. Late Kick is on the air. It is Thursday night. It is February 3rd, the year of our Lord, 2022. This is Fort Lauderdale. It is a nice, immaculate studio, and we are coming off a very memorable National Signing Day. Now, look, I'm still on the road for a little while, but what I wanted to do with the show tonight is take sort of a best of from yesterday. We had Nick Saban on the show. We had Jimbo Fisher, probably as animated as I've ever seen him. He joined us. We're going to show you what he had to say. There were a lot of winners and losers, and I was Really proud of the production that we put on down in Fort Lauderdale. Had Andrew Ivins there. Uh, Steve Wolfong was there. Had Bud Elliott there. Uh, Cooper Patagna, Chris Singletary, Blake Brockermeyer. So we put on about a 47-hour show. I wanted to pick some of the best parts from that. Take a look from National Signing Day 2022 and let us know what you think about it in the comments below. We've also got the Texas A&M Aggies now locked up with the number one class in the 24-7 sports team recruiting rankings. And look, let's go ahead and just add on to that number one class of all time. And if you want to hear us talk about that, that's fine. We're going to do that all afternoon. But why not just bring in the head man himself? Jimbo Fisher is there in College Station. Coach, I don't know if you're aware of this. There's a graphic floating around here of you with a championship belt flung over your shoulder. So if you don't want that, you just give me an address and we'll send it to an assistant coach. It'd make a great wallet-sized photo. What has this day been like? Been a great day. I mean, we, we added to our class, Shamar, uh, tremendous player, tremendous young man, has size, speed, has all the measurables, but also he's a, he's a better person than he is player. He's a great young man to be around, and I think he's going to have a huge impact on our organization. When you guys met as a staff, and this would have been months ago, but when you identified the key needs and the characteristics and the boxes that you wanted to check, what did you need to do in this class, and what do you feel like you accomplished? I think we hit every need across the board. We had to have a quarterback. We had to have a running back. We had to have big play receivers. We had to have, listen, in our league, the, the lines of scrimmage on the offensive and defensive lines are huge. We think we addressed that. Uh, the secondary was big need linebackers. We got some great couple of great linebackers in the class. You know, guys get a fan in your your game changes. Guys get affected offensively, defensively, and we also got a great kicker. I think we got as good a kicker as there is in the country. I, I love him. And uh, you know, we were across the board, and I think you have to today. And you know, with kids leaving, transfer portal, all that types of things. You know, getting this class and getting a, every athlete across the board in every position was critical for us. How important is it for you as you transition now to a program where the cupboard is a lot more stocked with talent than maybe it was when you first got there, at least the kind of players that you want on campus? How important is it for you to preach competition on the recruiting trail and get kids to buy into that concept before they get on campus? It's better if you don't need to come here. And our best, our biggest battles have to occur on that practice field. We have to, we have to be able to match whoever, whatever opponent we're playing with practice field competitiveness and that's what we did the great teams we had at florida state and i think we're starting to do that here a lot better and i think we have and that's why the future looks so bright but you listen you have to be willing to have a guy at your position or another position or guys around you that are just as good as you because this is a team sport you can't do this with two or three players like you can in basketball at times you know you got to have a great team but you got to have difference makers but in football you got to have it across the board and that's one of the big things we preach is you know, if, if you want to be a champion and, and you want to have that competitiveness and practice and develop into it and you know, be the first to win that championship here, this is where you need to be. Texas A&M head coach Jimbo Fisher. We'll get you out of here on this one, coach. 
everyone in our line of work has got an opinion about Transfer Portal, but they've also got an opinion about NIL, but you're there on the ground. And so you deal with it directly. How big an impact has it had on the sport? Where do you like it heading? And what do you think about where it's headed? And how did it impact the way that you guys are now going about things at Texas A&M? It didn't affect recruiting at all. And our NIL, and I'll say this, and I'm going to address it in my press conference. This $30 million deal is a joke. This thing that there's some fund out there and all these things that went on, and it was written on Bro Bible by a guy named Sliced Bread, and all of a sudden the country believes it, is a joke. So it didn't affect recruiting at all. And you can, and I, and I will address the rest of it. And the people who want to, as I say, make comments on it have no idea what's going on. And it's insulting to the players who came here and the people around us. The transfer portal was a factor. And it's funny, all the guys who are complaining about this use the portal and all these things more than anybody else. All the in our league are griping and across the country. It's amazing what goes on. But it is a factor. I think it affects high school kids. I think the portal is affecting junior college kids, and I think it's affecting high school kids, the guys that are signed because guys are taking others, guys that are in college and things. But listen, it's rules are there. I don't know where it's going to go. We're in the first year of it. It's going to be interesting where things go. But it, it, obviously, it's here to stay. Look, what's the biggest misconception there to you? And how do you personally feel about where it is right now? In, in what regards? Please, please explain. So a lot of people, as you said, say a lot of different things about NIL. What is true? What isn't true? And there's, so there's a lot of perception out there. But yet you're there on the other side of the curtain. And so you can address it directly. And you have all of the inside knowledge of it. What is the biggest misconception out there relative to what actually is going on? No funds or all these things that people were talking about it in the high school kids for short players and and your team they do get those things we we were very we weren't the we were one of the lower ones we, i mean if i remember right it was nick who brought up his quarterback got a million dollar deal i mean and that was that was great Ohio state put out an article that they had the highest nil deals of anybody in the country which is legal it's all legal it's fine but that had nothing to do with this class or anything else in, in which it went on this is hard work by our staff and i say it's insulting to the kids who come here that you insinuate that and people insinuate that off a that things were taken off a message board, bro Bible by a guy named Sliced Bread, whoever the heck that is, who has no clue about what goes on. But NIL is here to stay in college football. It's going to be a factor in college football. There is no doubt in the future going forward. And so in the transfer portal. So it's here to stay. But those those reports and the things that people say are very irresponsible. And and then people need to mind, I mean, figure out the truth before they do it. There's there's a lot of reputable people in this business who I really respect. That, that copied that. There was a vice president of Notre Dame who even said that, who off a message board? Come on now. I mean, and what goes on, and people have no idea what's happening, and that's those things aren't true. Texas A&M head coach Jimbo Fisher. Hey, we appreciate you being direct and addressing it here because not everyone in your line of work actually will do that. So Texas A&M and Jimbo Fisher landing the top class in the country today. Coach, not only to you, but your entire staff, congratulations. I know this was a long time coming, and we appreciate you joining us. All right, so obviously that gave us about three hours worth of content to talk about. Initial reaction and takeaways to what he just said. Uh, sliced bread will be a popular yeah. trending phrase on, on Twitter or, or, or something like that. Sure. Joey Freshwater comes to mind, <laughs> something like that. I had to Google it. It took a couple of Googles, but I found what he was talking about. Yeah, um, there will be a greatest thing, including sliced bread, that's out there somewhere. So anyone who wants to run with that can run with it. But look, he, it's not the first time he's addressed this. He was just very direct today, and now that the hay's in the barn and the class is all signed, it, it, it is funny how that happened, though. And that's kind of in your line of work. Think about this. When you've got a recruitment and it's extremely tight-lipped, in the absence of information, one person can say something and everyone in the industry runs with it. And all of a sudden, you got a kid that doesn't want to play in a 3-4 and no one's actually ever said that. And it's kind of been the same way here. A dollar figure gets floated out and all of a sudden everyone runs with it. 
And uh, if you just tuned in, Jimbo Fisher vehemently disagreeing with that figure. I'm very interested to hear what he says at his presser today. Yeah, I mean, it's an echo chamber. You know, we see that in all levels of reporting these days here. And, you know, one person says something and it runs with it. Another person reports it and it's unfortunate. I mean, who knows really what sliced bread or who that individual is. I mean, uh, but I, I mean, that's all I got on it. It's obvious Coach Fisher was waiting for the question. And yeah, I'm going to tell people, I'm going to tell people we planned it, but we didn't. But, I mean, on the field, look, this class, I, I would have loved to have had him on for another hour because I would love to just run down this list and give him 20 seconds in which he would have taken three minutes each and just get his perspective on every one of these players. Because we were talking about it, we can go down the list again if you want, of just immediate standout, boom, 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 that guy, that guy, that guy. I think Anthony Lucas is a guy we haven't even mentioned, a defensive lineman in that epic defensive line group, you know, baseball player. Uh, he can do a variety of different things. I mean, it's such a, a, a special group. Anai White from the Philadelphia area, a long pass rusher. Um, it, it, he, he, there's a reason why he's heated, because he feels so good about this group and what his staff did. I mean, they worked hard for this. We mentioned relationships with Shamar Stewart. Um, that was the difference down the stretch. I think Shamar actually just tweeted about that. He tweeted something that in, in regards to uh, it wasn't about money or anything like that. I think at the end of the day, it was relationships with him when you talk about the top 247 player rankings our rankings they have the number one receiver and the number three receiver nationally committed in evan stewart and chris marshall that's as big a need as texas a&m had in this class so they went out and really addressed that one and those guys are as exciting as there is in catching the football and making plays you know what's also interesting is you know james coley is the tight ends coach there and he's our number six recruiter overall nationally but he doesn't even take the top spot on his own staff because elijah robinson is now the 24-7 Sports Recruiter of the Year, responsible for eight guys in his own right. He's the defensive tackle coach there. What a haul he's had. What a cycle he's had. Yeah, we have a story coming on that later today, but he, he's a man He's a man of the people. There's no element that Elijah Robinson's not comfortable in, whether that's sitting and having a bourbon and a cigar with Walter Nolan's dad or talking cryptocurrency with Anthony Lucas's mom. I mean, he is a guy that uh, can fit in any environment and uh, – he obviously had a fantastic year on the trail, helping A&M land eight of these blue chippers this cycle. I'll tell you what else was refreshing. Aside from all of the spectacular commitment videos and live commitments and interviews, Academy Sports and Outdoors sponsored the entire darn thing yesterday, as they do this show, and we very much appreciate them. As I tell you every single show, and as I implore you to do, you have needs in your life whether it be baseball equipment, because I know good and well some of you are headed out for tryouts. Don't be showing up with ratty equipment. Have new equipment. And don't just go anywhere to get it. This is not the time, with all due respect to flea markets, to visit the local flea market. Academy Sports and Outdoors has everything you need. And if you don't have an academy in your backyard, that's okay, because you probably have a computer or a phone right in front of you. It's how you're watching the show. And so after the show, not right now, but after the show, just pull up academy.com. And that search bar is worth its weight in gold. And not only do you find everything you need in sports and outdoors and in life, but you also help out late kick in the process. It's the reason we don't have 47 advertising banners plastered around here like we're a NASCAR. Academy Sports and Outdoors makes it all possible. From keeping on the lights in the studio to fulfilling all of your outdoor sporting goods needs. Thank you so much to them. And thank you to you guys for patronizing them because we hear from them quite frequently and they realize that you're doing so. So with that, let's get right back to yesterday, National Signing Day 2022. What a memorable day it was.
Coach Saban, uh, not the company, but the man himself joining us, and he's going to join us now from Tuscaloosa, National Signing Day, always a fun time, Alabama always a fixture within this conversation, and Alabama head coach Nick Saban joining us here. Coach, we appreciate you taking some time. I want to ask you, what is waking up on this day like relative to what it was, let's say, a decade ago? Nothing. <laughs> nothing. <laughs> you know, sometimes I think that, um, you know, we anticipate changes. Uh, but then when the changes occur, you know, we don't, we're, we're slow on the uptake to acknowledge them. So, you know, lots of people said when we had an early signing date, it would become the signing date. And it's kind of been that way. So um, not a whole lot of guys signing today, not a whole lot of guys that we recruited. Uh, we did sign one guy today. So, um, but it's pretty quiet, actually. And the focus is really on next year and trying to talk to a lot of uh, the 2023 guys that we didn't have an opportunity maybe to go see uh, in the limited amount of time we had out on the road. I'd love to hop about 50 million different directions here with you right now, but I really want to ask you about Jihad Campbell. That's a name that's got a ton of buzz in our world, and I know you wouldn't have taken him if there wasn't a fair amount of admiration on your side, but what kind of player is Jihad Campbell? I think he's an outstanding player. I mean, this guy's got great twitch, you know, really good first step. He can run, very explosive, you know, player. Um, you know, he probably can play inside or outside. Um, so, um, th and, and he's made the right way. I mean, this guy loves football. He's got a great attitude. He's a hard worker, very productive, very instinctive. So, uh, you love to get these kind of guys, um, you know, to play defense and, you know, hopefully he might be able to help us early on. Were there any evaluations that you saw evolve a whole lot during the senior year for these guys? Some guys that may not have been a take for you this time last year that really came on their senior year and earned an offer? Um, you know what? We, 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 I mean, that's the one thing that I'm not crazy about that we, when we moved up the recruiting calendar to have the early signing date and to push up the visits and, you know, all that, that uh, sometimes, uh, you know, the guy that we signed today, you know, Danny uh, was really a guy that, you know, we looked at this year uh, as a senior, uh, thought he played better. And um, that's one of the reasons we recruited him. So, but I think a lot of guys that have great senior years and a lot of the big kids, especially who develop late, probably don't get some of the opportunities that they deserve because we're already down the road with, you know, guys that we started recruiting when they were, you know, juniors or whatever. So um, that's one thing that I don't like about you know, the early sign is sometimes, uh, you know, I'm old enough that you, that I recruited when you didn't offer a guy until after his senior year. Um, so, you know, I, I like keep, to keep looking for those guys. But, you know, sometimes you see a guy and you got too many other guys at that position, so you don't end up recruiting them. I'm going to tell you, uh, this is me personally talking. Anyone can say what they want to. When you have talked about things like the transfer portal, NIL, early signing day, I hear, and I don't blame them, I hear from a lot of folks a perspective of what's best for their program. You're looking out for Alabama, but a lot of what you say, I personally believe, is what's best for college football. In this particular vein, where that early signing day should be, or how that college football calendar should be structured in December and January, what is best overall for the sport? 
Well, you know, I, 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 there's a lot of different views and a lot of different takes on this, but um, I think there's some unintended consequences of some of the things that have occurred. Um, you know, I think name, image, and likeness is great for players. They've always been able to work. They've always been a- able to make money. So uh, now that they can use their name, image, and likeness, it's just a, a better way for them to do it. I think when you start adding that to whether you try to make a deal with a guy out of the transfer portal to go to another school, that's probably not a great thing. I think if we use this to entice players to pick a school, uh, I don't think that's a great thing. I think, you know, the players should decide where he's going to go to school based on where he can develop best personally, academically, and athletically from a program standpoint. And it shouldn't be about money, uh, but that it is what it is. And we all have to adapt to it. Uh, I think that the, the transfer portal, uh, some kind of way, we got to come up with a calendar. Guys shouldn't be able to leave their team during the season. I mean, that's, that's not a good thing. I mean, I grew up in a time where, you know, my dad said, you never quit anything. You know, you got to finish what you start. Uh, you made a commitment to something, you got to finish it. I think, you know, some of the values that we have that we teach guys through athletics, whether it's, you know, uh, making good choices and decisions, uh, having self-discipline to make good choices and decisions, having perseverance and resiliency to overcome adversity, pride in performance, you know, all these things are really uh, values that will help you be successful in your life. Uh, and we have an opportunity and obligation to try to develop those things in players. And that's what coaching is, you know, all about, you know, it's a big part of it. So, um, and I think, you know, sometimes you can change the culture or it makes it more difficult to do that. And the question would be, you know, is a guy better off developing those things and learning how to grind through and, really take advantage of his opportunity when he gets an opportunity, which is what's going to happen in life. You know, you can be frustrated with your circumstance, uh, which we had some guys on our team that were young players that were, and they maybe they didn't develop and work as hard and prepare for games like they should. And then when they got a chance to play, they didn't take advantage of their opportunity because they didn't prepare correctly. Well, at a place like Alabama, you need to, to grind every day so that when you get an opportunity, you're going to be ready to take advantage of it because you're going to get recognized and you're going to get looked at uh, by a lot of people. So you want to create value for yourself. So uh, I think all these things are things that are, are better for the player in terms of his development and his, his chances of being successful off the field and on the field. Coach, I got one more for you. I'll get you out of here. I'm looking at Jameer Gibbs. I'm looking at Eli Ricks and Jermaine Burton. Uh, these are high-profile players that you've been able to add via the transfer portal. Different programs are at different points in their lineage. Some of them hope and pray they can get big-time names that will change the trajectory of their program. You guys, at least from my perspective, have been able to use that more as a luxury. But what's that process like in identifying not only who's in the portal, but whether that's a fit for this program? Well, I think we try to use the same evaluation process that we would for any player. You know, we have criteria that we use at every position uh, to try to get players that, you know, fit our criteria for what we want so that they can have success at their position. And whether it's their character and intelligence, whether it's uh, their football skills to play a certain position, size and speed to play a certain position. Uh, And I think when you take a guy out of the transfer portal, he should have an opportunity to play because you have a need on your team uh, because that's what those guys are looking for. And if they fit the profile of what you want as a player at that position, and all three of these guys certainly do, uh, then it's a good fit for them and it's a good fit for us. 
Alabama head coach Nick Saban. Coach, it's always a pleasure to talk to you. Go get right back to work on 2022. All right, good. Thank you very much. You guys have a good day. Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. All right, so a lot to take away uh, from there as well. I just, I want to go right back to what I just talked to him about, about the transfer portal. Because there are a lot of programs out there that go into the postseason and they understand we have to get fill in the blank out of the portal or we will not be good enough next year. That's certainly not Alabama. And there's also a different dynamic of, kind of hoping it's going to be there versus you're Alabama. You need it to be there. You kind of know. You send up that bat signal. It'll be there, even if it's not already. And it's just kind of the way of the world right now. And it was a few years ago when we were first talking about the portal. And that man that we just talked to said, we're probably going to lose some good players to the portal. We're going to get some great players from the portal. And the rich will get richer. And here we are. Well, I think for them, obviously, it's a, their program that maybe has to go into the portal because they have some depth issues because they have some three and duns, you know, and maybe every once in a while a player didn't pan out the way they wanted to, so they have to go in and uh, address a need at receiver or address uh, a need at running back. So for, for Alabama, their program is certainly built on the foundation of recruiting in high school, evaluating well, player development, and then going into the portal when we need it. When we look at the recruiting class, right, Five stars in our rankings, at least, supposed to be first round draft picks, right? So most years, Alabama's what, adding five, six, seven, eight. Then we go to the transfer portal, look at that group they got coming in Elias Ricks, Jameer Gibbs, Jermaine Burton. I mean, those are all potential first round guys as well. So it is really the rich getting richer. And kind of the rule of thumb is you mentioned the bad signal kids don't enter the transfer portal unless they know where they're going. <laughs> okay, so I think, you know, if a kid ends up at Alabama, there's a reason why they're at Alabama. There you see a USC Trojans uniform, but Jackson Dart not playing college football at USC anymore, nor is Zach Evans in Fort Worth in a TCU uniform. Both of them finding common ground, where else? In Oxford, Mississippi. They are now Ole Miss Rebels, and that, well, at least two parts of a very, very impressive transfer portal signing class now for Ole Miss. It includes the likes of Michael Trigg. You see Tennyson there, Brown, J.J. Pegee, and it's a class right now that just in and of itself really stands out when you combine that obviously with the recruiting hall that Lane Kiffin and company will bring in today. That's where you really get an overall sense of what the team there at Ole Miss is doing for this signing class and this entire cycle. And we go back now to Chris Hummer, 24-7 Sports, national writer and transfer portal extraordinaire. You've been in this thing knee deep 
And this is one of the programs, Hummer, you've been talking about a lot. It's been Ole Miss and USC. We'll get to USC in just a second. But overall, your impressions of what that Rebel staff has been able to do in this cycle in the transfer portal. Oh, they've done an outstanding job. They've been extremely aggressive in the transfer portal addressing needs. And there were a lot of them coming off of this 10-win season for the Rebels with as many starters as they had exiting the program. They got one of the best quarterbacks in the transfer portal, and Jackson Dart. Big check mark after Matt Corral left. They added Zach Evans, one of the best running backs in the country in the transfer portal. Big check mark after what they lost at that position earlier this year. Michael Trigg is one of the best tight ends in the transfer portal. Big check mark. Defensively, they added impact players all over the place. JJ Peggy coming from uh, Auburn, one of the one of the more intriguing defensive line prospects in the country. Um, he's an Oxford native, going to make an impact right away. Um, Troy Brown coming from Central Michigan, going to be an excellent addition to the secondary. You could say much the same thing about Ashim Young coming from Iowa State. They had Mason Brooks at offensive tackle. He's going to start right away for the Rebels. It's they're loaded up at pretty much every position possible. Uh, Lane Kevin and his staff have done an excellent job. Chris, you remember the recruitment of Zach Evans. I remember talking about it a whole lot when he was coming out of high school. And you had, on one hand, the immense talent, and then you had some questions about him off field, and some people used it to maybe knock that rating down a peg or two. Well, this is not high school anymore. We've seen Zach Evans in college. We've seen him on the field. Uh, he's got a resume now of what you can expect as an off-the-field guy. And so I'm very curious, have you sensed a reset on the industry evaluation in the coaching world and maybe the way he's perceived now? I think there should be. If you talk to the coaches at TCU, they were nothing but thrilled with the way Zach handled himself during his time in Fort Worth. And I I've knew Zach pretty well during the recruiting process, too. I always thought some of the concerns with him are a little overblown. And on the field, I think it's he's an arguably great. He averaged over seven yards per carry during his TCU career. He can do everything and catch the ball out of the backfield, which I'm sure he's going to be asked to do a lot in Oxford. And when you put him in the SEC spotlight next year, I think he's going to emerge as one of the superstars in college football. He's that talented, and I think Ole Miss picked up one of the unquestionably best players in college football via the portal. Chris, what's the feel, not just on the roster churn there, but the coaching staff churn? There have been some big names walk out the door. And I know right now our attention is on Jackson Dart and these guys coming in via the transfer portal. But what's the overall insider feel about what Lane Kiffin has done and has to do to replace some big coaching departures on his staff? I think if you look at some of the departures and some of the places those people ended up, it's not really surprising. You got DJ Durkin going to Texas A&M, for an example. Like A&M is paying a significant sum to bring him in as defensive coordinator. I, I don't know if a lot of the departures were that unexpected when you look at them situationally. I guess when you pull the curtain back a little bit, it does look like a lot, but I don't think there's a ton of concern within the old Miss staff about where that is going, and I think they feel really good about where they're headed in 2022. Let me shift it out to the West Coast and talk USC with you for a second. We know the name Caleb Williams, but when you get past Caleb Williams, there have been several other names here. I mean, there's a reason why that USC logo is right up near the top of the transfer portal rankings. Who are some other names that people need to know? Well, Mario Williams to start. Um, I think he's our number one overall receiver in the transfer portal right now. Really gifted player from Florida. Um, he made an impact right away at Oklahoma as a true freshman, and that connection that he has with Caleb Williams is pretty clear. I think we're going to be hearing Williams to Williams quite a bit in Los Angeles this year and for the next two years at least. 
They added two of the more intriguing running backs in the portal, in my opinion, Travis Dye, coming from Oregon, and Austin Jones from Stanford. Travis Dye, I think everybody knows him. He doesn't really wear any armbands or anything when he's out there. As a running back, he was excellent this year for Oregon and has been the last couple years. Austin Jones is a bit more under the radar. He's a really highly coveted recruit coming out of high school. It was really good for Stanford. I think they're going to be an excellent backfield pairing together. Um, Latrell McCutcheon's also coming over from Oklahoma. He was a person a lot of people were really high on out of Texas in the 2021 class. Shane Lee played a lot for Alabama, especially during the 2019 season. He's coming in at linebacker, a bit of a downhill thumper for USC for a defense looking to reset and reload. So there are lots of pieces across the board for the Trojans that are going to make an impact. Chris, there's this alternate universe where Lincoln Riley and USC didn't land Caleb Williams. I want to know from you two things. Firstly, how close was that to happening? And secondly, had it not happened, what would the reaction have been out there? I think I, I had USC as my crystal ball pick the entire way for Caleb Williams. I think there were some considerations from people around him where they might have thought about other places, but USC was always probably going to be the destination for Caleb. As for what the reaction would have been had USC not land Caleb Williams, I think it would have been a bit of panic in Los Angeles. Um, Lincoln Riley, not only would he have missed out on Caleb Williams, but he would have lost out on Jackson Dart as well. We talked about earlier, Jackson had an old miss, and he would have headed into the spring ball with him essentially having to put Miller Moss, a redshirt freshman, atop the depth chart. I think USC would have certainly dipped in the portal after that and added more bodies to the room, but there would have certainly been some panic in Los Angeles had they not landed Williams. All right, Chris Hummer, knee-deep in the transfer portal, and this is not going anywhere anytime soon. Nor is Chris Hummer. He is available pretty much all day on 247sports.com. A lot of news on Twitter as well. And we appreciate him joining us as he has several times throughout the day already. Would have been interesting, though. You know, we now know that it's all sealed and it's done. But Caleb Williams, I mean, that was basically the second part of the sentence. When people in Southern Cal told you, we got Lincoln Riley, you waited because you knew what was coming. And we're going to get Caleb Williams. And now they do. I'm excited about Mario Williams, too. I mean, Chris brought it up. He's a dynamic receiver. Um, I think the Williams to Williams combination is is going to make it interesting in, in the Pac-12, and I I personally look forward to watching these guys <laughs> late at night, Pac-12 after dark. Um, and I think you know the transfer portal is a way to win games. We saw Florida State do it. We've seen Miami do it. Everyone, it's you can uh, create create some fire in the pan with with some grease r- real fast. Steve, you remember a couple of years ago there was that disastrous signing class for USC, and then they rectified things. And this year's class, like when you look at it right now. It's really weird because you have to take into account the context of what's happening right now, but how do you view this class right now? Well, I like to go to my favorite average ranking per commit deal, and, and when you look at it that way, it's one of the more talented classes in the country. It's obviously small, but Damani Jackson's as talented a DB as there is in the country. Raleigh Brown is as, as electric a running back, slot all-purpose back as there is in the country. C.J. Williams was dominant at wide out at the All-America Bowl, one of the more sought-after pass catchers in the country, flipped him from... Notre Dame, and, and then Zion Branch, they win a slobber knocker on the trail late uh, with Ohio State to land the coveted safety. Uh, and then I like the sleeper that they have committed out of the state of Georgia and Garrison Madden, a linebacker who I think is going to be a good player for them as well. So small class, but like Miami, Miami and USC, I don't think they really reached on anybody late. I don't think they took a, a, a warm body for depth. I think that they were on the hunt for guys that they think can be difference makers within their program and, and, and both Lincoln Riley and Mario Cristobal have won some big battles down the stretch. Beautiful use of slobber. Timely and impactful. I appreciate that, Stephen. We look across the table at Andrew Ivins and Steve Wolfong, and 
you guys work on this uh, pretty much throughout the day on National Signing Day. It's one of the most anticipated final pieces of literature that is produced. And Andrew Ivins has got that thing cooked up and ready to go over there. So let's just start talking about it as we look here. Biggest winners, biggest losers. Oh, I didn't know my name was going to be on this. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, obviously, Texas A&M, you know, you can't sign the best recruiting class ever and not finish as a winner. Georgia uh, gets some defensive pieces. We didn't even mention EJ Lightsley, the linebacker, former Florida commit. He's kind of a hidden gem there in, in South Georgia. I like him. Miami uh, started the day number three in the, in, in the big three in Florida. They're up to number one. Uh, up there in, in the state, uh, Nebraska. I like what they they, they did. We, we mentioned at the beginning of the broadcast, Denarian Bonner. Uh, they also got uh, AJ Allen. Uh, bachelor season, baby. Yeah, bachelor season. They also added two junior college players. I got them to enroll last week, which I think was really big. Uh, and, and then Oregon. We're kind of anticipating this. They still got to get some guys across the finish line, but it's shaping up for them to be pretty good. In terms of losers, I, I was just reading an Arizona State story. It said this, be, this will be their worst recruiting class ever, uh, historically bad. And in, in the Pac-12, obviously, there's some unknowns surrounding the future of that Sun Devils program. Uh, Florida, you know, got some guys. We saw them yesterday get Jack Pyburn, uh, the, the edge rusher. They, there were some other... Uh, Caleb Douglas today. Yeah, Caleb Douglas, but they also missed on, what, Caden Story. Um, Cervante Citizen. Cervante Citizen. Uh, Harold Perkins. Perkins. Yeah, that's a difficult day there as well. And then Iowa State, I mentioned it when we were talking about the Big 12, you know. R. Mason Thomas, that was kind of their guy. They sent the entire defensive staff on Thursday night, literally at the last hour before he left for that Miami official visit over the weekend, and they weren't able to get the job done. So that stings, especially uh, because maybe they see him next, next year while, while uh, Oklahoma's still in that Big 12. All right, so we can breathe a sigh of relief. With that in mind, National Signing Day 2022 in the books. There's going to be a lot that needs to be talked about. We'll obviously do it on the Sunday night show. We'll be live Super Bowls a week away. We're probably not going to try and compete with the NFL. We will seed Super Bowl Sunday to them. But we're going to have a jam-packed show Sunday night. Uh, hopefully, we'll be back in Nashville. I don't know what would keep me from it. We will be back in Nashville. Look, guys, I appreciate so much you being tuned in. Appreciate the comments. Appreciate you guys sharing the show all over the place. We spend $0 per year marketing the show. We don't need to. You guys take care of it for us, and we really appreciate that. Got a great year coming up, and excited to be back in Nashville Sunday night to talk about that, talk a lot more about signing day, and also looking towards, yeah, we get to do that now, looking towards what's to come in 2022. But until then, for producer Jesse and director Colin and our entire crew that made everything this week possible down here in Fort Lauderdale, I'm Josh Pate. Have a great rest of your evening, and God bless you.